Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcherlist. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Hello, and welcome to episode 858 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and it is another Fireside Chat, the first one in a long time, which means I am joined by the wonderful Nick Pollock. Nick, good afternoon, sir. What is happening, Spore? It is so good to see you as we talk starting pitching rankings, and I have no idea what I'm and doing. We do see each other, which is fantastic. <laughs> and it is great to talk with you. It's been too long. Uh, we both put up our rankings, and I mean, <laughs> we're both shrugging and, and moving hands around. What, like, yeah. what are we doing? What, like, what, we, how we are we supposed know. to do this, Spore? It, it's so difficult. It's so difficult, and we're going to get into that while also trying to make sure that we're giving some thoughts and analysis that people can use, but understanding that it is remarkably difficult, and there's certain players who are, like, hurt that it really is kind of a throw-your-hands-up type of thing that we both have to reassess in February when we start to get back into updates um, but we do have some big differences that we want to get into and, and kind mm-hmm. of talk about further because I think there are fundamental differences on these guys. So let's just dive right in. Uh, sure. We're going to go in chunks of 20 here, and then maybe we'll get to some of the deep outliers uh, toward the end here. So let's start looking at our top 20. We actually have the top four dead even, DeGrom, Bieber, Cole, Darvish, one through four. All right. And then Scherzer, Bauer, we have five, six for me, six, five for you, mm-hmm. uh, with Bauer getting the five spot there. Then our first big difference, the guy who made all of this possible, <laughs> Luis Castillo. I've got him seven. You've got him 13. Now, at this level, um, a six-point split is a pretty big deal. If it were, say, 50 and 56, yeah, we wouldn't care. it would barely register. But I think as you know, at the very top, these are differences. So um, I guess me being the higher guy on it, maybe I should justify where I'm at with, with Luis Castillo. And I don't know. I think there, there, there just remains a confidence in him that I, that I have even acknowledging that this year probably wasn't the best, but it certainly wasn't the worst either. I thought there was a lot of good that happened in these 12 starts to carry over from last year's 32. I still take him with a ton of confidence. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask one thing apart from Castillo real quick. Where are you on this whole central thing? Because I think there's been a backlash against central pitchers as a whole because of the easy schedule they faced. Mm-hmm. And I think people want to back off on them quite a bit. I always knew the central was going to be the easy. Everyone did. I'm not saying that as like, haha. I just, right, right. We all knew that the central was going to be the easiest. I was targeting central pitchers. It panned out that way even more so because Cincy and Minnesota were pretty mediocre to bad as well, and they were supposed to be the good ones. So um, is that playing a role here, or where do you stand on the whole central pitcher thing in general? Yeah, that's a good question. I Well, I, I look back to 2019 Derek Cardi coming on uh, you know, on the Quarter podcast and mentioning he was taking all the Minnesota Twins because the AL Central was a bad division in 2019. Yep. And I think that if they are inside the central still i uh, either one nl central or al central it's still gonna be a little bit easier i agree than outside of it i'm not doing too much to it I, I i can understand like i don't know what drove you to do bauer underneath scherzer or whatever i'm sure that was a tough decision it was a tough decision for me uh that might have been it i get that i can also understand like that by the way the volatility 
yeah, uh, of it's, Bauer. It's Bauer's uncertainty a little bit still and the same trepidation I had right. after the first big year of like his tinkering, his constant mm-hmm. tinkering. And, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into a whole Bauer. Yeah, I'm sorry to, to push that but, really quickly. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm not going to overreact to the central thing either because the centrals are still bad. Yeah, they're more not going to be, we're likely not going to be siloed and only play central if you're central and west, right. west, east, east. But it's still going to be the bulk of your schedule and it's still going to be easier for a lot of these teams um, unless you're on the Pirates or KC or Detroit and you don't get to face your own team there, but you still get to face those other two of those three that I mentioned. So yeah, I just still have a lot of trust in Castillo. And frankly, I don't even believe we've seen his best season yet. He's going to be 28 next year. Um, this 312 ERA or 321 ERA was not his best season. He had 312 in 15. So actually, his 2017 half season was a bigger sample than what we got this year that we're counting as a season, which tells you the kind of trepidation we should have about going too crazy over any of what we've seen in 2020. But um, I mean, he had a bad half. 2018 first half is really the only bad that we've seen out of Luis Castillo. I just see him as as a top 10 reliable arm here, and that's why I have him up at seven. Yeah, I, I understand it. Um, and I imagine that you didn't, well, I didn't put him down to 13 because of the central trepidation. Really. Yeah. That, that's like, just to make that clear, I, I, don't, I don't know how Castillo really takes that next leap at the moment. Um, and that's really my the main reason for him at 13 as opposed to top 10 or even you know hinting top five. Uh, Castillo had a 123 whip this year, had a 114 before that, 122 in 2018. And yeah, I, I'm certainly the first person that will say I understand development and that they can beat their previous seasons of those of those marks. I, I, with his fastball as it is, and I'm really happy to see his four-seamer had a 15% swing strike rate this year. That was really cool. Swing rate went way up as well on it, which is good and bad because when batters hit his fastball, they actually do well. Like He's not going to be a constant weak contact guy on, on fastballs mm-hmm. because Castillo really isn't a massive command-focused four-seamer guy no. or sinker. And it's that changeup that's really good. And it's always going to be really good. And why he had a 15% swing strike rate the last two years uh, for Castillo. And it's really nice to see him get that 30% strikeout rate this year when I was wondering if he was going to ever really get there after 29% in 2019 and not really seeing any movement to be made. I still have worries about, well, he's not going to be so precise that he's going to demand a one whip or something around there, 105 even. And he's probably going to be around three ERA a little bit higher because of that fastball not really being of the elites uh, of Cole, Bieber, DeGrom. Like, their fastball, believe it or not, Bieber was much better with his heater. And that helped him with multiple secondary pitches that are strong. Castillo's slider could be the answer to that question I'm asking. I'm like, hey, what does he do to get better? It could be that slider. I think there's still too much of a hurdle for him to get over to improve that pitch and to become like change up slider that's just too good and doesn't matter that his fastball isn't this amazingly well-commanded pitch. So that that's the part that brought me down. I mean, my tier two is like from four to 15. Yeah. So Castillo could have been higher or lower. Like I've, I have no real problem with him at uh, seven for you. It, that's what that's what pushed him down for me was that wondering if he can really be a sub three ERA with hinting a one whip kind of pitcher. I did like that 
you know, at least within regards to 2020 for Luis Castillo, we saw that his skills indicated a sub three uh, with the 265 FIP. So I wonder if maybe just similar skills to what we saw this year, but with better sequencing could get him to that sub three. And I guess one question I had um, jumping around a little bit here, only because you have him one spot higher than Castillo's, you have Gallon over Castillo. Yes. And now he did have the sub three ERA each of the last two years, which is basically a full season at this point, 152 innings. Um, but he has a FIP nearly a run higher. I feel like he's been running on the positive side of things, but has similar sort of like great strikeout rate, not amazing command, you know, um, walk rates can be up there a little bit deeper arsenal, which I think is something you'll probably advocate him for, but do you not have concerns about that, about that fit lingering that we're not really that much changing from a, from a, you know, still really strong season, but like a 340 to 360 ERA season for gallon over a full year. So, so really quickly, I, on Castillo's FIP, that was a two, six, five. I think that's mostly rooted in the 0.64 homer per nine that he had this year. And FIP is very much like, Hey, if you're able to suppress home runs, like we're going to love you. Uh, I don't know if Castillo can hold on to. Oh, I, I can't point six four I mean, is, 0.64 is really, really good. And three were in one game. He was not allowing homers this year. It mm-hmm. was super impressive. I, I, I understand that. Buy into it. Okay. However, okay. Even if I, I'll grant that. Yeah. Gallen still really good. Not been able to sure. suppress homers at a great clip. And that's probably why his FIP is up. And I don't necessarily see that necess- absolutely changing. So it's he's kind of riding a good bet. And I, this is not an anti-gallon stance. And they're one rank apart. But I have Gallon down at 21. So it's a much bigger split between Castillo and Gallon for me. Whereas you see them kind of neck and neck. And I so, guess. Yeah. So uh, let me let me explain a little bit more about why I say that. And, and the reason I bring up the FIP stuff is just, okay. So you want to compare FIP to FIP. I mean, that, that's something I think is going to change with Castillo in regards uh, to that FIP. Well, with Gallon. I mean, 1.13 homer per nine is kind of fine with me uh, when it comes to Gallon. It's kind of what you expect these days. Maybe he can get that a little bit down, but I'm not really focused not, too much on it. My and, own, it's not even a, an egregious concern, but it's when you're when you're still walking at a 9-10% clip, maintaining a sub-3 ERA for a full season, allowing over a homer per, per nine, it, I think it's a very difficult combo. Interesting. I, I, I would. I so I I, I understand um, being a little concerned about Gallon's walk rate. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing that Castillo has there. Uh, eight point six versus eight point two. I mean, I don't I, really. No, I understand. Yeah. I believe in the new home run suppression for Castillo. Mm-hmm. I guess that's our big difference there. Okay. Uh, so so with Gallon, um, it might actually surprise you that his changeup is had nearly the same swing strike rate as Castillo's this year, above twenty two percent each of them. Uh, which is phenomenal. And yeah, as you mentioned, the arsenal of Gallon is fantastic. Uh, and I think this is something that with more time, he continues to amplify, especially with more time in, in Arizona. And I know we were talking about schedule before as like, we're not really putting too much weight on it. I, I feel like I do need to say that half of Gallon's starts came against like the elite offenses. Like he went into cores. He faced the Astros twice. He faced the Dodgers twice. He faced the, uh, the Padres as well. Like that's six out of his 12 games were like ridiculous. And he had this, he stood I mean, tall. 
Exactly. He sits all three. He had one game with the, with the Mariners. He had about 700 runs. It was so frustrating. He had this terrible game, five walks. And then he was fine. And like, that's, that's how I feel about Gallon is like, you give the guy a full six months. Like he, to me, with that repertoire, three excellent secondary pitches, a, a slider, a curveball changeup, and a fastball that he's working really well and elevates at times, too, to get strikeouts. I see a guy that currently has a 12% swing strike rate, and that's just going to go up with more time uh, from him. Already has displayed abilities to uh, to limit the overall whip. I mean, 1.11 in your sophomore year, 72 innings, I understand, but... Like, I feel so strongly that Gallon's skill set speaks to a higher, uh, like, overtime floor than Castillo's, where it's a changeup that's amazing, and a fastball that I that gives me a little bit of worry, and a slider that maybe could develop, but I don't know if it's really ever going to mm-hmm. take that yeah. step. And there's a little bit more to the whole package, I think, with Gallon. It was a very hard decision, 12 versus 13 there. I think I had Castillo actually originally around, like, 10, and then I kept pushing him down because that fastball, as I just feel... Six months of Gallon, like, I don't, you know, that's two seasons under a three-year array. And, uh, yeah, he did have some luck to it. Left on base rates above 80% for Gallon. Probably not going to stick around. Yeah. But I wonder how much it's going to even out. Yeah. We'll call it about a season. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's it's pretty good what we've seen so far. I think it's only just going to get better for him. Nothing nothing negative to say about Gallon. I don't know if it's going to get better. 278, 117. If he can get better, then obviously he's going to be even higher than you have him ranked, I think. Right. At 12. That, that. Uh, very positive uh, on him. I have him at 21. I have my little Zach, 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 all spelled differently trio there. Oh, I did that at the beginning of the year. It's fun, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> you know, I might have to break it up. I might have to break it up. No, anyway, don't, so that, don't end the Zach attack. I know it's great, but I can't just keep a meme <laughs> and not agree with the rankings. And I think yeah, I'm messing with you. Yeah, I know. think this talk has me with Castillo and Gallon closer, but it's going to be moving Gallon up more than it's going to be moving Castillo down. Yeah, that's fair. Next, we have a nine spot difference between eight and 17 for Blake Snell. And um, I'm curious. Uh where where your trepidation comes here because 17 is not a, a well only negative ranking but yeah I so see, i see some i see some warts here i understand but i'm still pretty i'm still pretty bullish on on, on snell and and feeling good about uh what he what he can do when when the reins are are taken off and once they were i thought he was pretty good so, so there are two things with Snell that still have me kind of worried, and I cannot wait to be wrong about them both, okay? So the first one is, I know we have Dodgeritis, but I feel like there has to be something for the Tampa Bay Rays, as they had just Probably refused. Even more, they just refused to let Snell pitch six innings. He didn't do it once this entire season. I know. I which, know. Is, which is a little scary, but it's also the fact, I mean, he threw a lot of pitches, too, in those starts. It's not like he was... At like 75 pitches, and then he didn't let to go to he, six or something like that. He was multiple times, though, to, to your point. 70, 75, 73. Uh, but that's counterbalanced by a 108, 103, 101. Those ones make sense. Right. Uh, and then there's like the, a couple of 92s where you're like, can you not get that extra? Right. Training? Like earlier Let's on. Trust him <laughs> to push that. You know, the 73, and I don't remember the situation when he was taken out. So maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Made sense, and he was he was gassed. But five and a third, seventy three pitches against Baltimore, 
on September 17th when he should be fully ran. You know, he's sandwiched right. a 103 and a 108. How's he not being allowed to get through that? Inning? And I don't think it's anything on him. I think it is the Rays. I think he would love to be a guy who can go six, seven regularly. And I wonder now here's a, here's an interesting question that we can't really know the answer to unless we ask him, does he unload the tank in like a sticky third or fourth inning situation, knowing he's probably only going to go five, five plus that he may pitch differently. If it were something where they're like, you got to go six, seven more often. Right. What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. What would be your speculation? Uh, there? I would hope that he would be talking to Kevin cash a bit and be like, Hey, so what's the expectation to me here? Can I like let it loose or not? I think that, that they probably do tell him then yeah. we're going to keep you at six under six and under. So, if it is a, a rough third inning situation, go full bore instead of maybe I, – I don't know how things would necessarily change. Maybe like – maybe go for that strikeout third inning two on, one out instead of you know maybe pitching the contact and getting babbipped and then it ends up being a little bit of a bigger inning. I don't know. There's small situations that might change anecdotally. But I do wonder if maybe that's why he continues. And part of it is that he will walk guys too. He'll he'll have a little bit of early U Darvish syndrome where he goes oh two and then he spikes three curves, and it's three two right. uh, for Snell, and that can be frustrating. But your sure. Dodgeritis, you might need to come up with one for. The, I, I think know. You should I think they're an even bigger problem. There, it's uh, I want to do like a poker thing of like raise something, you know, like raise the pot or something like that. I don't know. Problem is they don't but, raise. They yeah. don't fall or fold on, <laughs> on innings. Uh, when it gets to the fifth, uh, they, they, they fold, man. They bring yeah, them up. I don't um, know. There's, there's something there, but anyway, right. So that's one problem. But really, I think the the uh, the thing that's most startling to me about Snell. I mean, I will say I have him lower because I don't have the same inning workload as I do expect. So like inside my, my top 10, I think, oh, actually, Kershaw's another thing. But Kershaw's Kershaw. Uh, we'll talk about that, maybe. We'll have Kershaw at 10. But, uh, right. But, uh, but like it, even the guys like even like Castillo, I think he's going to throw more innings than Snell next year. I think Gallon's going to throw more innings, believe it or not, next oh, I, year. I believe that. So Just that's kind of why I separated that tier for me personally. That tier three um, is right where Snell is. He's right at the top of tier three, essentially. One of the reasons I didn't put a lot of credence into that, though, is because nobody throws innings. I know. Uh, so it's it's like got and obviously this year was an exception, you know, to, to really it's hard to put any weight into it because we saw so many guys like even the studs like, you know, wasn't Garrett Cole going like four or five at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like I went over six on my stream picks to start the year because no one was going <laughs> enough. Innings. Nobody would. Go, exactly. So, you uh, know, no. <laughs> uh, but it is an overall trend of guy you know innings going down and down and down right and so I, I am less likely to hold that against somebody and worry more about their per inning production well it does it does increase the the ranking of some guys that i can't expect to go 200 though right and i really sure. wrestle with that with with uh lance lynn for example and i saw you have five points higher and i can i understand it and volume is a big right and volume that. is totally. a major reason why and then then the question is just like what kind of volume are we going to get and that's i don't know <laughs> we'll volume. say i hope so and that'd be so awesome uh because i mean i think we all kind of enjoyed the absolute unit of lance lynn on that hill awesome. this year Awesome. Fantastic. Love it. Anyway, let's, let's stay with Snell. Yeah. Let's bring in Glass now because he's our next one. I have him nine, you have him 18. So we have them together, but just nine spots apart. Sure. So and I never the Glass now guy. And now look, here I am with him in my top 10. Is it the same sort of concerns of? It's different. It, it's, 
it's a different thing. The, the story okay. with Snell for me is when he was dominant in 2018, he was able to throw his slider inside the zone 38% of the time. He was able to throw his curveball in the zone 39% of the time. In the past two years, that has fallen on both uh, pitches drastically. I mean, this year we're talking a 10-point drop in a slider down just underneath 30% zone rate for his slider. Curveball was down to just 24%. That's a 15-point drop from that 2018 Mm -hmm. season. And what that does is it forces Snell to throw more fastballs uh, inside the zone. He's done it in the past two years. It was 52%. Last two years have been 60% and 58%. And that's caused a lot more of these home runs. We saw a 1.8 home run per nine this year from Snell. And he's putting himself in these worst situations because batters aren't swinging like he wants them to. You would think, okay, he's throwing more out of the zone or something, Nick, then that's fine. Curveball, overall swing percentage is down four points from 47 to 43. That's not good. There's a lot of Uh, easy layoffs. You could see it last night in the the ALCS game one. Exactly. So, So without that, without getting those strikes... Snell is suffering a bit more. And it's a question of, I've kind of waited a little bit for this to return, and it hasn't. It's actually gotten even worse. And that has made me like, oh, okay. Like, I I know he doesn't need to be his 2018 self to warrant uh, the eighth starting pitcher, right? You don't need to be a 1890 year, right? And sure. much higher than that, a 0.97 whip. But it does make me wonder if if he can really be like a two five two seven five. If he can push that. Like how like how amazing can Snell be if he isn't doing this stuff with his secondary stuff? And I don't really know the answer to that. Of course, uh, he certainly can be better than my ranking of seventeen. Um, but that's that question mark to me is why I pushed them down as far as I did. Now with Glass now, uh, Glass now is uh, I don't know what to make of him. It's like it's like two pitches still. And it's so good, but it's also so volatile. And like you don't have to tell me this, about yeah, it's the same. I was always it's, so out. It, it's the same hesitation with innings. I mean, he did go seven uh, twice and six once uh, this season. Glasnow did, but uh, it, it's so it's more seven volatile. Twice and six twice. Oh, six twice. He went six twice. Nice. Oh yeah, he did. That's right. Yankees and Mets. Yeah, those last that, six starts, uh, much thirty-six better. innings. So in, in a two ninety-seven ERA, like close strong. The only thing that was there were the home runs, which right. And it's a similar kind of issue where they can spit on the curve, and then he has to bring the fastball in the zone. And we know major leaguers can time any heat. Doesn't matter if you're pop, popping right. a hundo. So it brings in more volatility than I wanted. Okay. And I can imagine a situation where I'd feel like uh, the two guys, I think we kind of just flip-flopped with these, were Aaron Nola and Lucas Giolito. Like, you take mm-hmm. those two, and then you Literally take Snell and Glass now, and just flip that. That's crazy. You have cool. them 7-8. I have them 17-8. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that is wild. That is literally uh, 8. Oh, not, not perfect. Oh, well, pretty eight, close, nine, though. Yeah. Yeah, 8-9-7-8, and then 17-18, 17-18. Right. So that's, that's, that's uh, wild. There. Let, let's actually jump to those two then real quick, and we'll go sure. back to a couple other guys uh, in the middle there. Nola. Yeah. At seven, you're back in. I know. Well, it's weird. Oh, God. That you left a little bit, and he quietly, I I will say quietly, because they were, I found them always to be, I never really found them to be a great playoff contender, this Philly team. Um, You know, they came in, people had picks for them and whatnot, but I just, I was not in on them. I mean, I picked the Nats, so I don't know what the hell I'm talking about either, but I just was never really sold on Philly because it was Nola and that was it as far as their pitching goes. But he quietly was pitching brilliantly 
um, all year actually had a little bit of a bump at the end there took a 240 era into his final three starts got knocked around a little bit in those three but even still was striking guys out that was the big thing this year the strikeouts were off the charts 96 in 71 in the thirds uh, 71 in the third with nola um no concerns about the little the little blip at the end i mean it's a small it's it's taking three starts of an already small sample so i guess we don't want to be too worrisome but it's the last thing we saw so where do you stand on nola here as you're putting him into seven and like i said buying back in after being out a little bit coming right in this, you know? all right it certainly was i uh, so i mean i just don't want for people to forget like how amazing he was in those first nine at least it was a 2.4 era and a 0.89 whip with a 36 percent carry and six percent walk rate like hi what's up aaron nola untouchable except for one bad start and he was also going deep in a lot of these Mm -hmm. uh you know six innings eight innings seven innings seven innings eight innings seven innings you know and there's that one really bad one against the uh the braves uh 2.2 which you can be forgiven but you know that's a team that can bust people up and then of course then he didn't and the season what we wanted him to be but i you know then he had the mets nationals and rays where he allowed at least 300 runs in each of those but from nola okay so yes i was out of nola because i had a question at the beginning of the year i was like is he ever going to be a 30 percent strikeout guy he was 25 26 27 27 and his swing strike rates it capped at 12 percent then went down this year it was a 13 percent swing strike rate 33 percent overall k rate as his curveball was the number one csw pitch this year wow so i uh, call strike plus whiffs there right that is essentially just the most efficient pitch in the majors for getting strikes uh which is amazing and is uses change up a lot as well which i've been hoping to see for a bit because i think it's a really good change up so his O swing on that curveball, by the way, I just I love fun stats like this. 58% O swing. Like I get excited to go 40% or so with, with secondary stuff. 58% is just stupid good. Uh just getting terrible swings all the time. Uh swing percentage went up on curveballs too to 54%, which is excellent. It's what you want to see. It, it, all across the board, curveball was amazing. His changeup improved as well. And I'm thinking, like, you're talking about workload, right? You're talking about who can get me innings. Aaron Nola easily could get 200 innings next year. You know, they're I not going to slow him down. And I, while I don't think he's necessarily going to be a 33% strikeout rate guy, like, I don't think that not, might that might not stick. But if it's 30% strikeouts with, you know, an ERA hovering the, the low threes uh, with a whip at, you know, like 110 or so, like, that, that to me was more valuable than the other guys who seem more volatile. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have I have Nola at seven personally. Okay. Uh, I I think the volume plays uh, because yeah well you know we should have a reasonable expectation to get him back up into the two hundred inning range there. I do agree with that. Um, make no mistake, seventeen is not out on him. I think you're just more right in on him if that if that makes sense yep. similar to the castillo uh and snell situations that we talked about earlier where you didn't seem out on either of those guys either um i'm just more in giolito's one i'm definitely moving him up uh already not not even based on this based on previous stuff people kept asking about him and i i got like f- f- the first several questions were about him when uh when the ranking came out and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let me go look. Let me go look. So then his uh, playoff start happened. And so I had like even more questions. Like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the tax is already hitting. Playoff tax, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to move him up. 
I don't know if I'm getting him to eight, yeah. but it's definitely going to be early teens, maybe 11, 12. But talk to me about Giolito at eight and what you saw coming off the massive year last year as he continued to be great, had the no-hitter. Um, seems like he's a good bet to go 200 the next time we get a full season. Right. Uh, so I actually... Uh, I was waiting to put mine out, right? Like, you know, I put mine out on Monday. You put yours out, I think, on a Saturday or a Friday um, before mine, your rankings. And I, I kept getting questions. And uh, Richard Sands, who I know on, on Twitter a lot, I was like, all right, Nick, I do not, I'm not going to put any weight on it, just like really loosely right now. Like, who's your, who's your top 10? So I finally like put it out. I was like, all right, here's like a basic top 10. And I didn't have Giolito in it. I didn't have, I actually had Lamette as like a dot, 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 Lamette question mark, exclamation point. Like, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Well, I mean, Lamette's really weird, but we'll, we'll t- we can talk about that in a second. And I didn't have Giolito in it. And I, and I got a lot of people being like, Giolito, Giolito, Giolito. Mm-hmm. And I, I, relate. Got the I sat, I pretty much sat there. I wasn't like, oh, they're pressuring me into this. I'm going to do this. It was more like, all right, let me sit down and really assess what my thoughts are on on Giolito during that. And at the end of the day, my biggest worry about him entering this year was I don't think his changeup can sustain itself at this level, right? It was ridiculously good in 2017. Zone rate of 57% while also earning a 22% swing strike rate is really good. Normally you get like a high zone rate and then low swing strike rate, but you can throw it in the zone and then they're just going to whiff on it. Like that is really good. He did it again. Like, it was the same thing. You know, yes, the zone rate dropped about, like, six points to 50.5%. Oh, no. That's still elite. With a 24% swing strike rate, it, like, did better. Better batted ball of 168 average as opposed to 190. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind that it's still this good. His fastball is still earning 11% plus swing strike rate as well. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea of, um, oh, he needs a slider to be a lot more. To, for him to succeed, but even that was like a 22% swing strike rate. He didn't throw into the zone as much as I wanted him to. I wanted him to kind of pitch backward with it, but it's 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 good enough for me. And yeah, the two seasons we've seen have been 3.4 ERAs from Giolito, and you're kind of thinking like, oh, well, he's not going to be better than that now, and might as well go for someone else because he could be like a 370 ERA, then why mm-hmm. would you have him in your top 10? I don't think so. I mean, he has back-to-back seasons now of a, above a thirty percent K rate. I think yeah. the seventy percent hit rates. Yeah, the uh, well, that might change. Two fifty-five Babbitt might change, but maybe eh, it might not. Eh. I don't know, man. He's he's, you he's really you good. Know, he is tough, right? So seventeen percent swing strike rate is if you didn't include anyone else from this year would be the number one swing strike rate ever. For a season, but then there also is Kenta Maeda and Shane Bieber and Jacob DeGrom who all had above 17% among qualified pitchers, which is hilarious to me. But I don't think that's going to stick for a full year, but he had a 15%. It was Maeda, Bieber, and DeGrom. Two centrals and an east. (laughs) Two centrals and the best pitcher in baseball. (laughs) Uh, So I don't think that the 17.3% swing strike rate is going to stick, but... Giolito, I think, yeah, 200 innings, as you said. It's kind of the same thing with Nola. The reason why they both got moved up was they're going to be good, really probably low threes ERAs with very good whips and, uh, you know, strike rate hovering 30% across 200 innings. So, like, that's what I want. I yeah. want that. No, like I said, he's moving up for me. Up, We're going to end up being a lot closer on our split here. I'll probably have him 12, 13-ish. 
uh, during the re-rack. But, uh, yeah, Giuliano's insane. Uh, anybody else in the top 20 you want to get into? Yeah, I want to – I am curious. I mean, I want to just say really quickly about Lamette is that it was stupid. This was a stupid year for Lamette. And, like – so good and made me look so foolish. I, I, I sat there being like, all he has is a slider. That fastball isn't that good. Like, I don't nope. want him. And I, I avoided him, of course. But, I, yeah, I like – the process, though. Yeah. I really well, do. And this is not about like not admitting I'm wrong. I was wrong. But the process going in, I think, was absolutely the right one. Was that this guy was a one pitch guy and that's going to breed volatility. And he hadn't even really been that good prior to this. Hmm. Like 2017 so, and 2019, you know, like nothing was particularly special about a 437 ERA 125 whip combo. The 31% strikeout rate was good, but. Who could have seen this coming? And then he goes off and well, puts okay, up yeah. brilliant innings. This is what happened: is he goes, all right, I have the best pitch in this slider. Like literally, it is the best pitch in the majors. There, there is no better pitch by Statcast. It's like their run value and everything. There is no better pitch than mm -hmm. than Lamette's slider. So yeah, he threw it ten points more to throw it over fifty percent of That's the huge. time, That's which huge. is so great. I mean, we've like, been seeing guys do that. We almost should have assumed yes. he would. I still, even if you had told me that. I would have never put him for a 209.86. Right. So, so then he said, you know what? Okay, fine. I have to throw this fastball 46% of the time now. I might as well add another tick to it. Mm -hmm. So then he pushed it up to 97 as opposed to 96. That allowed his fastball to then go from a 164 WRC plus to a 107. It doesn't need to be amazing. It just needs to be decent enough so that a slider can do everything else. And to me, that's like... Oh, wait, yeah, he's really good. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, then the the real reason that he's at 14 as opposed to, like, 10 or 9 is because, yeah, we don't know what his elbow is like yeah. at the moment. And I can understand people saying, like, oh, he's throwing over 50% sliders, his elbow's doomed, and I say that's incorrect. Uh, it's about how you throw it, not yeah. how many you throw, uh, but... There is uh, no certain number that just guarantees right. that you're going to get hurt, and we've seen guys throwing sliders at huge clips these days. So yeah, I don't, I don't have an issue with that, but 19 um, was for me, 19 was part of, Hey, you ended the season injured. I, I need to see. Right. Exactly. And I, I fully understand that. So I just wanted to make, uh, you know, people I'm sure are curious about Lamette there. I guess mm -hmm. the question I have for you is like, would you, what was your thought process behind Bueller and Kershaw? Cause I struggled with that one. About who to rank higher? Well, just where to put them in general. Kershaw was an easy top 10 for me. And then I ended up being just 10, just kind of based on age and being mindful of the fact that, you know, he's going to be 33. Still always, you know, the back is something that's going to linger for the rest of his career. Uh, it's going to be hard to ever see him getting more than a buck 70 ever again. Mm -hmm. But he's so good on a per inning basis that I'm just, I'm not like, I, I didn't agree with people pushing him down at the start of this year. Um, I'm, I'm not betting against Kershaw until we actually see a reason to do so. And I understand some people want to be a year early instead of a year late. To me, I don't think the year late is going to be disastrous unless it's like injury, you know, after three starts or something that ends the season. But I don't think he's going to labor through some, you know, 490 ERA season. Right. And so, yeah, I just... He's not going to pull a bump garner, is yeah, what you're saying. exactly. And I was just very confident putting him in the top 10. Bueller, I don't know, man. I, I, get a, I don't feel great about where I'm at with Bueller just in general. And I wanted him behind Kershaw. 
I got, I'm, I'm taking Kershaw above Bueller despite the age discrepancy. Don't care. Give me the guy who's just better. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, they ended up 10 and 11 that way because I was I wanted Kershaw in the top 10, ended up being exactly 10. Bueller right behind him there. And I almost I almost put Maeda ahead of Bueller. I know, man. I was, I was, it's Bueller, Kershaw, Maeda for me, 9, 10, 11. And it's uh, Kershaw, Bueller, Maeda for me. Yeah. So it's like, all right. I, uh, yeah, with Bueller, it's, it's very weird. Uh, some people have been arguing. I've been seeing about like blisters never go away, but they have, but they, and they also, for some guys, they haven't. I, uh, obviously, there's Dodgeritis to worry about. Um, and like, how are the Dodgers going to use him next year? They kind of babied him a bit this year. He was going through some things, but he never got really cooking this season he had one start in call against the rockies but that's really it yes i mean um he was even worse than snell as far as being limited right so well at least at least he had one he got one game of six innings but yeah exactly the dodgers completely were like all right outside that start like you're not doing much at all i so but there's another thought of like hey this is a stupid weird season and the dodgers (laughs) like entering this year bueller was what like number five consensus or so number six, yeah. like it, it was around there, and it, there's a feeling of all right, give them the off season. He's going to rest, and the Dodgers are like, okay, Bueller, you're our guy again. You're the number two behind Kershaw until Kershaw gets too hurt or something, and you're going to be the guy. I, it, it, there'll be certain guys along this that we all feel like we got to push the reset button on, and I feel like Bueller is one of them. Yeah, and I don't think you know that people should necessarily run away from him. Um, but you know, even at age 26, do we really have a 200 inning season because of Dodgeritis that I don't know? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Meaning no, Uh, but I still have 11, you know, you have nine. So our difference is not anything. We're just talking about him as a general, as a general pitcher here. But, um, who throws more innings next year? Kershaw Kershaw or Bueller? Bueller. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I want to lean it's Bueller, and I think that might be the reason why we have a rank. I think it's like super close. It's just like there you go. which is more the injury of of Kershaw that might happen. Nice take of velocity, by the way. It's good to see that from mm-hmm. Kershaw this year. Or are we going to say that Dodgers is going to hold back Bueller? I don't know. I'm going to lean that Bueller is going to be able to go seven innings constantly again. So all right, well we'll that's see. It. We'll see how that how that goes. Uh, that'd be great if he is. Um, all right, anybody all right. else in the top twenty? Uh, I think I think we're good except for uh, except for Ryu, but we can. Uh, that's in my you know outside my top twenty, so we can go well, like so that. Let's, let's go ahead and do that then. Sixteen versus twenty four. Um, I mean, it's pretty simple for me. Ryu's never bad. It's only ever been injury. Yeah. And sure, there is an extensive injury history, but you now look at it and. Three of the last four years, he's made it the full season. Now, this year, he only had to go 12 starts. Um, and then the season he didn't make it was a half season, 15 starts with a 197 ERA. Right. So why wouldn't I buy into this this talent here and kind of let the, the injury stuff kind of shake out? Because I don't think we have any clear and present uh, concerns about his health that should be elevated they should be standard pitching concern pitcher injury concerns he's gonna be 34 sure but again he's coming off two healthy seasons ryu is so i i just i don't know he's just really good and uh i don't have any real concerns about him as a pitcher and by the way i should point out um 
hang on. Actually, I think I'm wrong on this. So let me let me check. <laughs> well, he, well uh, he he finished he finished 2018 uh, on the mound too. So most of those 15 starts were in the second half. So he's been healthy since mid 2018. Yeah, I. I, I, I like the fact, well, okay, two things. One, I don't like the fact that when the Blue Jays signed him, they were like, hey, we're going to aim for 150 innings out of Ryu. And then, of course, COVID happened and that changed for this year. But I do wonder if that mindset is necessarily gone from the Blue Jays standpoint. Maybe not. And that's, maybe I'm putting a little too much weight on, like, the expected innings of Ryu. Uh, but regardless of that, if we look at Ryu's repertoire, it's it's not as exciting as I want it to be. And then maybe that's me having a blind spot. I actually kind of thought 24. I was like, oh, this is actually me embracing Ryu. This is me giving him a nice hug because, uh, you know, this is this is easily the highest I've ranked him before. So what, um, what about, I mean, what about the constant excellent performance? Well, right, right. So so that's the part that has me up to 24 with him. Right. Uh, it's the question of like, okay, I see his changeup wasn't as good this year as it was in previous years it had the results but like or like the actual um i think it was home run suppression uh or like just good batting average but it lowered in swing strike rate it had fewer o swing um lower swing percentage overall from its glorious 2019 season which isn't necessarily that it's bad it's just not as not as incredible his cutter stepped in as this better pitch as it reduces fastballs but i don't really think it's like this unreal pitch i don't think it deserved to have a 200 batting average for example um his curveball is fine but it's not you know it's it's a 36 percent o swing 36 percent zone rate 12 percent swing strike rate it's good it had results that were good but the whole thing seems a little uh more fragile than i'd want it to be if that makes sense uh and it's not this demanding of excellence that I would want. I mean, it's not overpowering. He's like crafty. Right. Is, right. But. And I generally don't, I don't go for the crafty ones. I mean, obviously we talked about Cal Hendricks in the preseason and stuff like that a lot. And as you generally know that I'm more hesitant to jump after it at the same time, able to I mean, put up a 26% plus strikeout rate in two of his last three years. Yeah. Was I, I like excellent whips along the way. Excellent point, ERAs. You just got to go with the dominant performance. I right. I, uh, and I guess you well, feel like you have by putting him 24. I just happen to have more confidence there of like right. I'm betting yeah. on a guy who just doesn't pitch poorly. Right. I mean, he, he did, but yeah, it was three years ago last time he did. So that's fair. Uh, it, it's just, well, it wasn't really that poorly. 377 is not like that that's massive floor, too. but I don't think I that anyone, that I wouldn't say that, you know, the guys I have around, because I mean, that's a tier with Wheeler in there and Plesak and Burns and, uh, and Kluber and Freed and Morton and Granky. Like those aren't going to hurt you either. Sure. So it's it's more of like an indication of I didn't even the do tier breakdowns because I wasn't even ready to get into the gloss <laughs> uh, with my ranking. Yeah. So you know I don't really see Lynn Ryu Nola as aggressively different than Freed Clevenger Carrasco, and that's a ranking of fifteen to eight, fifteen to seventeen, down to twenty four to twenty six. So okay, you know, to your point there, maybe maybe the numbers too hot maybe the number looks high at eight point split but we're already getting into yeah. i think the globs start even earlier this year well i mean there's there's just massive like i remember sitting there for so ages like where do i put this where do i there's so many at good some point you guys put a guy though and just be like you can't put everybody at 20 yeah you know, well right 20, 21 22 you know it's yeah. like 
So you got 42 guys you want to put in your top 20. We have to, and that's that's something I've been focused on for the last couple of years when talking about globs and things like that. Mm-hmm. The talent discrepancies, particularly on the pitching side with strikeouts just being astronomical, uh, are through the roof. Uh, you know, the the, or the, the discrepancies are, are tiny; they're minuscule, and the the talent clusters are huge. So, I, I guess the last question to put a pin on Ryu, I have for you is what strikeout rate do you expect him to have and or what are like you anticipating him to have in 2021 it's, it's impossible to give me like the exact number. yeah okay yeah like 24 25 sure right i yeah. uh, and that and like i see him surrounded by guys that all could hint 30 percent easily in my view and that's the kind of like okay how am i weighing that like the strikeouts not to mention we don't have him as a contender but for he doesn't 200. anybody so and a lot of those guys around him that have those extra strikeouts well right that's the way that's the scale you're making yeah. right uh, like, how much better ratios do i expect from ryu versus given, the volume and strikeouts yeah and given that strikeouts are so much easier to find give me the whip give me the whip goodness and i will supplement my <laughs> strikeouts later man i want to put that on a bumper sticker give me the whip give Small me the score all right, let's go into the uh, second 20 here. And uh, we were talking about Gallon, first off. And uh, who's next here? Who do we, Ooh, we got? Oh, next? man, look at this. Dylan Bundy. I, I, see it. I see it. Look at it. You don't believe? I, well, I mean, I I believe to an extent to put him at 41. If uh, Putting sure. Bundy at 41 is like, whoa. Big hey. jump from, from coming into the year. I put him even, you know, I put him 28. Yeah, so, so talk to me about this. I mean... It couldn't have gone any better. Now, we need to see where he lands and everything, but this is exactly what I think any of us who had any belief in Bundy wanted him to do, which was stop using the fastball as much, mm-hmm. slices it down to a 42% rate, funnels that into his secondaries, uh, slider changeup and curve all saw a boost, and it fueled a, a gain in strikeouts, a lowering of the walks, better hit rate, better home run rate. I mean, everything was better. I understand, you know, he throws 90 from the right side, which freaks people out. But that's why he's not using the cur- the fastball as much anyway. So I, I don't know. I've, I find it pretty easy to believe in even as a half season or not even a half season, more of like a, a third of a season. I find it kind of easy to believe in uh, that he can maintain this because of the changes that went along with it. If it were just kind of a floating like, you know, the Babbitt tanked and the home run rate, you know, was like or the home run per five ball was like four percent fueling a home run drop, but the arsenal was the same, and he just kind of lucked his way into it. I can understand having a lot of trepidation, but I I believe in these changes, and if he doesn't even stay with the Angels but goes somewhere else, I'm fine with that. Especially if he goes to like a pitching friendly spot, that would maybe even work with him more. But I I don't see any reason not to buy into what we're seeing here. Though I will grant that 28 to 41 is going to feel bigger than it is because we're we're getting into even bigger globs at this point so uh kind of like ryu it's a little bit wobbly it's more so wobbly for me with with bundy there's a word you expected me to say today uh wobbly, <laughs> wobbly. i look the, over his first like six starts or so i uh, bundy was doing the whole like not throwing fastballs and when i do it's like at 91 or so and i'm going to go heavy into sliders and we're talking like 33%, 32%, 23%, 34%. This is the amount of sliders he's throwing. It might surprise you, but at the end of the year, he only averaged 25% because, I mean, he had a game only through 8% sliders, then he threw 16% and 17%. As he then started throwing more fastballs again, 
and he didn't do so well in those games. Last two games were eight earned runs with five strikeouts uh, in 7.2 innings combined. And I, I just look at this as his fastball was underneath 90. It was actually 88.5 in that final start when he averaged, like he was doing 91 multiple times in the first half of, of 2020. I'm like, Bundy, what is going on? And I, I, I can't help myself but see that and think, okay, this isn't as reinforced of a new man as much as we think he is. Uh, it, it does give me that concern of like, stop throwing that fastball. Do I think it's going to be a 233 I mean, average again? No, I don't. He still only threw it over 50% once the last start. I, and it was 47% the previous one. Like he scaled it up. last. You know, well, like, I, I put like it was two and two thirds in that start. Like he was out early. Like, I don't know if he'd have gotten into the slider more if he had lasted. I'm not, I, I don't see major reasons to be concerned yeah. on Bundy off of those last two starts. It, it's again. Okay. So for a guy like Bundy, that was so bad for a while. Okay. I, uh, for, I mean, we're talking for a while and I, and I, and what not so terrible, like a 4790 ERA, 135 whip with a 13% swing strike rate in 2019 isn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. Of course not. It's still something that in, for fantasy purposes, you're just so upset about, right? That's not the point I'm trying to make. It's, it's like to, for a guy to be that way for so long and then to change me completely, to be like completely on board I need to see a larger sample of a, of a complete change in a, of approach, and that leads to constant success. Now he did that for a little bit. I'm, I'm very much aware curveballs were thrown in the zone 50 percent of the time, and he only got 11 percent swings on those. That's a ton of called strikes. Really cool to see that he did take that step forward. I mean, showcasing the understanding that throwing fewer fastballs is a good thing. His changeup was. Not necessarily the pitch I really wanted it to be, but it was good enough. That was a good pitch. And the slider, of course, was doing great things for the most part. It's not like it's still too small of a sample for me to I uh, to put. I mean, for I put him at 41. I could have put him like in the mid 30s or so. But I I uh, and I understand like what you have him 29, 28. Yeah, yeah, he's in like a mix of other things to have their warts, too. Uh, but that's what push kept pushing me underneath those others is I could see myself like two games into the year and Bundy is not looking good. I'm like, all right, I'm done. You know, I, I it's, that's why I mean by wobbly of like, uh, it still doesn't feel real quite yet. Yeah. I mean, I get that to a degree. Like the only thing that would really bother me if, if a couple bad starts to start the season is if the fastball was at like 60% and the slider was gone. Cause the right. slider was even good with Baltimore for Bundy. So yep. I don't know. I would not. I would not bail on him that quickly. We're going to see where he lands. I'm eager to see that. Uh, I hope it's to a pitching friendly team, uh, not so much with their park, but just with their their outlook and how they how they coach and everything. Um, because I do think there's even more to be mined here from this one time elite prospect. And I know you don't believe in pedigree, but I do. And I think uh, you know ha- having having a a um, reservoir of talent to dive into matters. Mm-hmm. And I think we started to see that come through in 2020. So we'll see where he goes. And uh, that'll kind of finalize the ranking once we get into the winter as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I cannot tell you enough. Every time I am in any way critical of a pitcher, you guys know me. I just want every pitcher to be dope. I want him to be awesome. I want him to be amazing. I can't shake the feeling that Bundy is 
I don't know. Not destined to be that uh, that constant ace now, and that makes me upset. You don't have to be an ace at twenty eight, though. Yeah, oh, you're fine. Number constant number three SP for you. I'll take it. Uh, all right. What? What is your concerns? What, what, where your concerns lie with uh, Jose Barrios? Uh, I mean, so Barrios was it lives and dies by his curveball. Like that is that is the thing this season. I mean, hey, it's once again it's another season of uh, above a three six ERA, uh, which he's never gone under. But the, it's it's always the same story. Like the first five starts of the year, he didn't really have his curveball, and then he finally got it back against Milwaukee, where he had nine strikeouts, and then he still even had it in that Cleveland start, and I was still okay with it. And he had it for those you know those final seven seven games or so. It's this constant battle. I mean, I cannot. You know, I, I write this roundup uh, every single day, right? It's like the thing that I do is I write a uh, roundup of every single pitcher every single day, right? And I, every single Barrios blurb is the same. It's always been the same of like, oh, his curveball was on today or, oh, it's not today, you know? And he's, you know, he's on a stretch and it's never like a, a Richter scale of just like today it's on, today it's off, today it's on. It's always like five games, it's on. Five games, it's off. Yeah, you know, there's a feel to it. It's it's crazy to me. It comes and goes. And so I like as a fantasy player, I'm a little sick of it. (laughs) I'm a little like tired of waiting and trying to guess when it's going to be in and out. And at the end of the day, what he's done is always this. You know, it's it's this like middling, you know, high threes ERA ish. Maybe hopefully we're crossing your fingers for a three five. But his whip isn't going to be under 110. You know, it, it's going to be like a 24% strikeout rate or so. Yeah, he's only done that once under 120. So for me, Barrios is like this constant. Uh, he's not quite a piece that is a poor execution, awesome stuff guy because he is executing enough. And I should point out, you have him 43 to my 30, by the way. Just right. Yeah. So he's in the same tier for me as Bundy. He's right. He's just yeah, two underneath right it. And you'll and see the other guys too. More concerns. And it's you see the other guys too here that there are some that I might be by February pushing above Brios. I don't know yet. I mean, uh, where do you have mine forty five? Where is okay? You probably I'm sure you have them way lower. Yeah, we'll get to that one. That's a fun tease. I uh, but but yeah, that that's what it is with Brios. He's constantly like this guy that I understand oh people God. are like, oh man, I'm so hyped for Jose Brios. He's I think he's that ace that's about to about to do it, and I'm like I just uh, he can't always throw his curveball really well so it's it's very frustrating to watch but yeah i just don't want to be a part of it yeah that's fair um i don't even have like overwhelmingly wonderful things like i'm not that crazy about him i just i thought 30 was fine he, he always kind of gets there too and i think if we'd had six months he'd have been back under four um he'd have been kind of just what he's what he has been the last couple of years which is for roto and this is a roto versus head to head kind of thing. He gets you to your final line, Barrios does. So I don't really worry about the path to get there. Sure. Head to head, bit more trepidation of, of the bounces up and down. And if you get a down, if you get a downswing in August or September, you could really find yourself uh, being angry with Barrios. Right. As he ousts you from the playoffs. Man, but he seems uh, like such a nice guy. You know, I, oh, just... I love Barrios. <laughs> I root for him. I really do. Yeah. So I just, I just, every day I'm like, please show me that wonderful curveball working. Please. You got Strauss up at 16 so, already. You know, well, like, it's oh. like, 
I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know what to do with injury. Like, yeah, I assume I, that he'll be healthy by March. So I'm like, all right, it's Strasburg. He's great. I guess you went pretty high on the injury guys, whereas I kind of parked them. Like, you have Sale at, I think, 66, and I just put him at 100. Yeah. So so the reasoning for that one, I actually initially had them all, like, Sale, Syndergaard, Severino, all at 100 at the end of it. Then I realized, you know what? There's a certainly, like, a 12-teamer moment. Uh, where it's like, okay, after this or the I ones where I feel are more replaceable. Yeah. And so I so said, you know what? That's kind of the moment of, if I don't know what's going on, like, sure, I'll take a chance at this point that I feel is replaceable after that. And that's kind of where I put them on my list, which is around the 60s or so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you put the all three together. I actually had a split because Severino got his sooner than the other two. I, I don't think I would take Sale and Syndergaard in a 12-teamer. I mean, if you... I just don't know what their status will be is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but they're not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. No. Based on when they got it. So, and I don't, I just don't like guys coming back from TJ. I I just, I think, I think it's a wasted pick. If you can put them on an IL, that's one thing. Well, right. I grant that, but 12 team Rotowire online championship at the NFPC, you can't. So I, okay, that's fair. Focused and I shouldn't, but, um, but even still, um, even if you can, like, yeah, so I mean, this is it's, it's a very yeah. There's no right answer here. I yeah. If you're in a 12 team and you have three IL, IL spots, right? Like whenever Syndergaard or Sale return, if they even do, I don't even know. No one knows. Let's say they arrive in like June or July, even right. Yeah, you be able to hold them long enough. I don't know, and that's 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 why I say don't even bother with it. But, it's a waste of a pick. Well, okay, so. This is what I'm getting at, though. That's why I put them at, like, the 60s or so, because the ones underneath, I would, could, you know, find myself after, like, very early in April getting rid of two. That's why I put them that far. So, at least you get to make this decision later on with more information. You can theoretically trade them to someone else that has an IL spot open or not. They will have some sort of inherent value to them. That I don't, I, I imagine there's no 12-teamer league where they're not stashed on someone's IL. Right, yeah, they, like, they will be stashed. I mean, they, these are star talent. Exactly. So but you might. That's why I put them there. The headache, and I, I, I just thought it was people. Yeah, I thought it was still pretty high. Even, even accounting for what you're saying, I still thought 60s was 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 pretty high. I've got guys in there that I'm that I that I care about that I'm that I'm taking and and having some expectations for um, at that at that realm. So I just kind of parked him. I do have Severino up at 85 again. He got his sooner, so a little bit a little bit higher on him. Uh, and I just don't like to mess with TJ returns. Like they're they're okay. almost never very good. Uh, but yeah, so Strasburg, by the way, not returning from TJ, returning from Carpal Tunnel yeah. syndrome. I have a thirty six. You have a sixteen. Uh, so you're just kind of cutting to the chase in February, saying he's already back. Yeah, he will move up for me. But for now, I just kind of we just don't know. And he's got such an injury history that I was like, eh, I got, yeah. I got, I, I understand. Stuff. Like. Uh, that makes sense, too. but yeah, he's he's obviously such a talent. That Love like, Strauss. Yeah. Love him. The so. second that we get the green light on him, he might even match your ranking sixteen. Right. I'm, so I'm, I'm just I'm just assuming high. that I have to make an assumption somewhere right now. I was like, all right, I made that one. <laughs> all right, who's next? Uh, let's see here. Who do we who do we got? Okay, let's talk about my let's talk about my forty five that I just teased. Okay. Because uh, I mean, you just answered it really. So I have Jameson Tyon at 45. He's the last of this tier. I uh, for me, this is tier five. Mm-hmm. The same one with Bundy and Barrios in it. And I mean, Tyon has essentially been out for a season and a half already. Yes. Uh, no, so he's going to return 
and be ready to go. Right. 45 is insane. Well, it's not insane. Let's, 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 let's take it down. Let's just. Let's <laughs> it's a little bit insane, though, because I love Tyone. I really do. I yeah. root for him. Mm-hmm. He ain't bringing 45, though, man. He's got a good whip. Usually has a solid ERA. He's kind of been back and forth. The whip is what you're paying for. His best strikeout rate is 8-4. I don't have uh, rates here. Hang on. Let me get that. But, like, 45? I don't know, man. That's You don't find that to be lofty? I understand. I uh, So, I... I I see 2019 as very much of like a lost year. A guy was dealing with arm trouble the entire time, essentially, and he was destined for TJS that year. Seven starts done. Okay. That, I mean, that's kind of how I'm seeing this. If you see it differently, I totally understand. That's where that's coming from there. Um, and I mean, 2018. I don't know, but like, when did he get hurt? Well, I mean, his, it was, I mean, he had seven starts, Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, again, that's also 37 innings. I'm not putting much stock into that season. Sure. I just think like, you know, let's say even got let's say you got hurt after the fourth start. Then like you're going to put weight on those first four. It, no, it I'm not even worried about putting weight. Right. On that. I mean, but yeah, even, yeah. Even that's that's all I'm eight, getting at. But yeah, now right. Let's, let's transition that. Yeah, you know, let's transition to 2018. And if you, you remember from 2018, I well, he he's introduced a slider on may 27th i remember yeah you might remember this massive talking point of mine from from then and he was fantastic after that like his 2018 once he learned that slider was 271 era i mean um, i've been on the tie on train right from so day, so one. what i the problem is you you need yeah. him to be good at 45 oh uh, yeah i think he can outperform it's like i can understand the argument of like okay 45 is suggesting that he is at his best and you're yeah. paying for his best. Offer it. I yeah. do not believe that 45 is Tyone's best. Like, not at all. I mean, I, easily top 25 at his best. So that that's why I, I put him at the end of this tier. And not to mention, the tier after for me. Like, just so we get a relative understanding of all the other pitchers. It's Ian Anderson, Pablo Lopez, John Means, Kevin Gassman. All guys I'm excited about, by the way. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, Joe Musgrove, Talia Mali. Or is it Maley or Molly? I don't. Molly. I still don't know. It's yeah. Molly, but, but yeah. I've heard Maley. Like they're from the Reds. Okay, the Reds said it. I'm like broadcast. Don't okay, I know it's weird. <laughs> Framber Valdez, Michael Kopech, etc. So those guys, I'm all excited about too. But they also, you know, we I don't know how they're going to perform. Like it, it's all very questionable um, upside gets there. Young upside that I don't know which one's going to pan out or not. And with Tyone, at the very least, I do feel a little more confident in the floor of his whip. I think he is, you know, um, I, I'm not even going to put any weights on him talking about his recovery process and how great he feels, best shape of his life. I'm not even going to do that. I, I am going to say, I see his 2018. I see that excellent whip and ERA that even got better as he went on with an improved slider. I see a 23% strikeout rate there. And I think, yeah, this is this is a guy that you know could do that again. And I still I still even feel that the future of Tyone is brighter than the past. So that that's where I'm coming from with it. I understand if everyone's like, get out of here, you're stupid. <laughs> but oh, no. that that's what I see with Tyone. It's, it's very aggressive. I love Tyone. I'm going to be drafting him. Um, but I think 45 is is a big, it's a big 
ask coming off of uh, I, that much missed time. It's yeah. like it's, it's a positive because he's that far removed from TJ that hopefully he doesn't have innings restrictions. It's a negative that he's been off that long. Sure. And we don't yeah. know exactly what we're going to get. That's a, that's a great point for the slider. Um, here's one benefit is you don't have to draft him at 45. Oh, yes. So that uh, certainly <laughs> helps. You won't have to take him that high. Um, and I guess that gets into the ranking of how I like them versus how I draft them, et cetera, that sort of stuff. Um, that's kind of planting the flag and saying, look, I like Tyone. He probably could be a, a spring riser for me as we see him get going. Sure, yeah. But I don't know that I can go beyond like – 50 if people want to pay more than that i'd be like i don't know so i could find i could easily be convinced to push him down into tier six and stick him like early 50s or so mm-hmm. um because i i think i've been pretty outspoken about you know and, and this is someone we can shift to here is framber valdez uh we have a 14 point difference i'm at 53 you have him at 39 mm-hmm. and for me it's it's a question of like i don't love valdez's repertoire much i love his curveball i think it's really good and i really don't like a sinker and that between those two things it's uh i, I can stick tyon around there uh but yeah i just valdez isn't doing it for me you know what i like about framber though it's something you mentioned earlier and guys as a positive volume that dude goes deep in games and That's i think point. He, he's a bet for 200 innings next year Ooh. um a, a kind of a sneak to bet that people might not be thinking of that that volume even if he puts up like another 357 era which doesn't really get you going and even let's say he pushes the whip up let's let's put it at 120 357 120 but for 200 innings uh with over 200 strikeouts at that point on an astros team that's probably going to generate him a decent number of wins that's going to be a heck of a season so two things about valdez actually really Let's just answer a question I think a lot of people have. I don't have the answer for this. How are you treating this season as far as, like, workload? Are you, you know, we're talking about 200 innings a lot next year. A guy like Valdez, who has never pitched, a, you know, he's had 70.2 innings in MLB. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us in 2019 and 2020. Uh, are we treating, like, guys who started all the way through of 2019 as the equivalent of, like, 180 innings so that next year they should be unleashed or do we expect clubs to hold back guys that didn't get the volume that we want like how are you I mean, nobody got volume at that point you right know? So it's like i don't know i think you have to you have to trust guys to like i mean he's gonna be 27 years old like what are you waiting for and okay yeah will they have the luxury to even hold him back from for from Bervaldez or guys in general and i think part of it is like i mean you can't hold everyone back Sure. And so I hear you on that. I think it's a, a reasonable question to ask, but I think you you start to look and it's like, well, what are you going to do then, teams? You're going to use 12 starters? I guess the answer is probably yes for a lot of these teams because yep. that's how annoying it'll be. And at Bullpen that point, games and- it's going to make fantasy a nightmare. Yeah. And, and maybe then, maybe you can't really put anybody down for 200. Maybe. So so here's the thing. Lance Lynn is going to throw 200. I, Lance, I think so. Lance Lynn is going to be like, I, I don't care. Like but maybe you're not gonna you're gonna have to physically lift me off of this and like get or me maybe going, you know? a, a small number of, of outliers then like maybe not even Giolito who's peaked at 170 maybe he doesn't get it plus they're gonna have a new manager by the way Rick Renteria fired today right right interesting I, so so with back to Framber it's 114 innings was 2019 including yep. including the minors mm-hmm. so at the very least I don't think I'd put him on the same 
uh, frame of frame burr, sorry, uh, of like, no. I, it just, it just came out. All right. No. Uh, against like, you know, to like six, uh, to, to like Giolito and the other guys that we're talking about as like workhorses. I still certainly will have a gap between where I expect them because it still is, you know, he's never done it before. Like the guys who have gone like 170 innings before and like, let's say they get injured. They still would expect them to then do 200 or so push that after that year of injury. Right. So that, that's kind of, I'm treating those guys who have done it before, but if they've never done it before, I feel like teams will be more conservative with their workload in 2021. That that's how I'm seeing it with Framber. I, but um, all that aside with him, the 357 ERA and 26% K rate. I mean, if you remember, it's like at most you'll ever see is a 2.5 expression of swing strike rate to K rate, right? Um, like, I mean, that's pretty much what I have come up with. And I, it's that's, not really. Yeah, that's, that's a good rule of thumb. Yes. At most. Normally it's like two times, but yes. at two most it's 2.5. Two yeah. I mean, Framber pushed that farther. 10% yeah, swing did. strike rate to 26.4%. I don't think that. I mean, even regardless of that, I look at Framber, I watch him, and I, I look at everything. I just don't really think that he can squeeze out this kind of strikeout rate again. Uh, I don't need that for 200 innings, though. And uh, <laughs> it's not going to be 200. Uh, volume. I, you don't think so. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I, I mean, he's 27. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you holding him back for? Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree in that regard. I think if he was a five-inning guy this year, your case would be stronger. But the yeah. dude pitched seven... Uh, in six of his outings, six plus in three more. Um, and then he had two short outings and those happened to be his two worst against the Dodgers, uh, which is no shame in that. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, he's gone deep in the playoffs too, seven and six inning starts and then a five inning relief appearance where he was so, he was pitching so well that if that game had gone into extras, I feel like they could have kept him going. Sure. So, so like he's, is he not showing all the indications of, a, a workload guy. I, I mean, I, I, again, it just comes down to like how much he's thrown the majors thus far. And I just, as much as I want to buy into it for every reason that you just said, I don't know if the Astros are going to let him do it. That that's, I think that's still at the end of the day. Like we, he just hasn't yeah, before. And generally we've seen from the past that guys get limited. So guys I have health issues on their team specifically. I think they've actually shown that they will trust their, their guys who can be workhorses. Like McCullers gets limited because He's hurt every other week. Sure. Um, but anyway, regardless of the, all that, regardless of yeah. the innings, I the, the the actual ability of Framber, I don't know if I buy uh, completely from 2020. I don't know if he's really... I understand the fifth and Sierra are even saying, like, hey, he should even be better than this. He had a yeah, low left know. on base rate. If I went fully off 2020, though, he'd be 10 spots higher. Interesting. I I mean even even like watching like I love the fact it's kind of interesting he's a sixty percent ground ball guy he's like one of the highest ground ball rate guys, uh, which is remarkable. Uh, in between Gallon and Adam Wainwright of all people. So so here's the thing so against the Angels um Angels and Dodgers I actually I remember this a lot the the Angels game Framber lost this curveball. It was not there, and that's what happens. That's what happens when he loses his curveball. Against the Dodgers, he actually kind of had his curveball. And I remember I remember saying in the round, I'd be like, oh, we're fine, guys. Everything is okay. He's oh, you mean the right. eight-run eight game? The five-run game against the Dodgers, he had his curveball. And it kind of came back, eight, and he got eight, unlucky eight. with two home runs. Okay, but the, the Angels' eight-inning game. That's when he didn't game. have it. 
he had no business pitching the eight. That was the dumbest decision I've ever seen a manager make sure. in my life. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Seven innings, four runs, uh, uh, seven innings, five runs. Still mm-hmm. not a great outing. But th- the fact that he came out for the eighth, and I was- actually am somebody who supports Dusty, the current iteration. I think people are carrying over the Wood prior stuff too much and, and hating on him. That was vintage Wood prior. That was the absolutely. I've ever seen. It was also like super hot too. I mean, it, it, it really shouldn't exactly. have been there. Nothing about that made sense to bring right. him out for another inning. It was, it, uh, he had already 101 pitches. Yeah. Seven more gave up three runs, which I believe he didn't even give up. Uh, he, he gave up three hits and then the other guys came in and gave yeah. him. Some it, was, it, was, it was terrible. So stupid. Um, At but the same to, time, go ahead to your point about he that. was still even six runs. Sorry, five runs, six innings. He was not seven innings. What, oh yeah, right. For the eighth, he came in. He right, came in seven eight. Yeah, yeah. 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 He not. Had it was not, not good. And but it makes it look a lot worse than it actually was. It for me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, it's an expression. Like essentially, the test for a lot of these guys for me is like, all right, when you don't have it, when you don't have something, you have a backup plan. And his backup plan is terrible. I, I would encourage you, or, or maybe challenge you. Maybe we can give each other homework. <laughs> I, I would challenge you. What's up? Maybe we should both do it because I didn't get. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get to watch their their games very often because they're blacked out. So I have to go through nefarious means uh, if I'm going to watch the Astros. He gave up outside of the three and the eighth. I think we can put those off to the side. Yeah, I mean, Dusty Baker's runs, not Framber Valdez's. But he gave up four runs in the second and third inning combined, and then was pretty sharp from the fourth through the seventh. I'd be interested in your analysis of him in the first three innings versus the last four. Sure. Yeah, we can, we can certainly like, did he regain the, cause I don't know the answer. This is not me saying like, cause you're looking at the hole and saying yeah. the curve wasn't there, which is clear uh, on the hole. But mm-hmm. did he, did he, was he floundering a bit in the water and then found his level, found a sandbar in the fourth and fifth inning that he could kind of rest on a little bit. And, and Fromber got it. I mean, cause he, he had, no, no hits in the fourth and fifth inning. Gets a, gives him another run in the sixth, and then another no hit inning in the seventh for Fromber in that outing. Like that's a really interesting outing, right? So I don't remember the inning by inning. Yeah, as no, much I don't as I used to. No, 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 no. But I do remember. I do remember just like I did. I do remember catching some of this game. Yeah, and being like, oh, oh man, that's a, that's a that's a wasted curveball. That's like not. It's not doing the things it wants it to do. I, uh, but I'm, I'm more than happy to watch this one again and just kind of like note it. We um, it but anyway, so the, uh, so the whole point here for me, yeah. why I'm like so anti Framber is, I guess I'm not even that anti, am I a 53? I don't think you are. Cause again, this is, we're really going to get into the, we're already at the ranking spot where 39 to 53 is just for yeah. feels big, but it's, it's not. not. Next it's, there's just a lot of them. Yeah. So like, that's very big, but, but 14, like, I don't know, man. Like, oh. I don't. I think we're like a razor's edge of difference here. Yet we're feeling like we're way different. It's weird because our discussion feels very different, but then our ranking, even at fourteen points, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's the standard sport. What else do you expect? <laughs> it's just it gets so wild. It gets really hard to discuss these things. Yeah. It seems like now our our next three guys though they do have some big. Well, here. one so of them is all on Framber. Well, okay, so so Soroka is literally just I threw him in with the Sale Severino one because I I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know why he's like it's a, it's a torn Achilles. Yeah, uh, that's not as bad as TJ. I I understand, but this one happened in in later time, so I don't I know, know how I'm the full recovery and when he's going to return. I just don't know anything yet. That's, that's all. I, but I thought you gave the TJ way too much confidence, and then this not enough. 
I mean, I, I'm not an expert on Achilles versus TJS. Well, we don't have to be experts, but we know we have timetables. I understand. Everything says that Sorokin will be ready for the start of the season, and we know that there's almost there's virtually no way that Salem Syndergaard will be. Well, two things. Two things. Two things. One was I. Uh, one is the the talks of Soroka was like everything I read about him was just like they hope. And it's not, it's not like he will be, he's, he's, he's fine. He's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's, it, there's still a question mark of like yeah, Soroka's 2021. Like right, right, right. But I mean, I still need to, I still, you know, and the timetable of my understanding was like around March slash April. And like, that's, that's like, uh, I don't know. So there's that to consider. And not to mention the fact that if you take Soroka sales, Severino, Syndergaard, keep in mind, I put them all in a tier. I just was like, you guys are injured. Here you go. Yeah. I did favor Soroka above them because I did expect him to return sooner. He should be, but I also had to keep in mind that Sale, Severino, Syndergaard are much better pitchers to me than Soroka is. Yeah, but they're they're gonna miss at least a month more, if not even more. Like, I I don't have all these answers. I I literally don't know what it is. I so agree. I threw them all in one tier. Okay, I disagree with doing that. Okay. I think the confidence level on Soroka should be a, a quite a bit higher than Sale Syndergaard specifically. Severino again a little bit sooner because of when he had his TJ. Um, so okay, we'll put that off to the side. Let's go to Heaney, forty-one to eighty-six. You have forty-one? Yeah. Oh man, look at you. Well, uh, uh, there's a, it's like a smile on my face of like, ah, oh, that's so good. <laughs> eighty-six. Well, okay, so ignore the number for a moment. Um, there is like a massive amount, like tier nine is like really fun. I, but yeah, with Heaney, this is the problem. Like as someone who's been a massive Heaney fan for ages, Mm -hmm. I can, and someone who's, I I love the raw thing, the stuff of him. I will never, I will not ignore the fact that on a given night, you have no idea what Heaney's going to do. You just, you just don't know if he's going to have his curveball change up fastball command. I like, it's very rare to see all of it. Super super rare. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, what is this uh, number for you in your in your column? Uh, that minus twenty one is from your last. All all of that stuff is it shouldn't even you shouldn't even see the minus and pluses. That's from oh, the okay. final list that happened in September, and it's but, just not okay. I understand. Yeah, probably shouldn't put too much. But why would you move them down twenty one spots? Well, twenty one. It's again. So that's relative to just two thousand twenty. I, I know. And, I know. And, and it's and hard, the, but that's still no. Feels- because you have no. You have all these unranks of like injured and everything. The it's know, a completely different scenario. Him? It's a completely TJ guys ahead of him. Wait, why are you? Uh, I, that, why what? Like I just mentioned it. So okay, you want to ask? You want to ask like why that's a different tier underneath the TJ guys? Because the volatility of him. Because Heaney is like someone that. Even if he does like well out of the gate, I literally will not feel comfortable with him at all. But there's nothing more volatile than a guy returning from TJ. Okay. I would okay. I mean, I would I would very much rather have whenever whenever Syndergaard and Severino and Sale show up, I would much rather have them than Heaney the rest from of the year. From that point forward. Yes. With all due respect, no crap. I mean that that's not really right. That's what I think that that's why but right. they come back two, three months later. I have two, three months of Heaney. I mean Eduardo you won't know. You don't know if you want to start Heaney for all those two, three months. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, that's. I, I understand if you feel differently about that. I totally get that. I, I kind of do though. Like, the, I, okay, he's one of those guys that I think um, Joe Musgrove style. Mm-hmm. Uh, we he, we judge him too much off of his ERA without giving credence to the quality whips that he continues to put up and the quality strikeouts. So I grant that the ERA four fifteen, four ninety one, four forty six. That's not something that you're like. Yes, I got this dope ERA, but. 
86. That well, okay. is that really jumped out. So something that I certainly Luke, put way into like- here is the fact that like in 12 team leagues, you have to, uh, I, you gotta think like the owner. When I say, I'm not saying I'm saying you, I'm saying like in, you know, when I do these rankings, I think, okay, I gotta think of the owner. I gotta think of like what kind of experience do they have as uh as yeah, a fantasy manager. Like how do I how how do I treat my players essentially during the year? And like with a guy like Heaney, he is absurdly volatile. It, it's it's just it's his story. And I understand if you're going like Roto and you're comfortable being like a 15 team or just like set it and forget. Sure. Okay, you can rank him higher. That's not how I do mine. I'm not doing it with a 15 team Roto. I'm doing it with like a 12 teamer. And where you're going to look at Heaney after like three, four starts next year and be like, okay, so he allowed five earned runs and then he allowed one, but then he allowed four again. And then he also gave me 10 strikeouts in one, but then he gave me three in the other. And like, you don't know if like you should be continuing this or not. It, it's the con, it, it just speaks to how he performs, like with his changeup and, and his curveball constantly. That's what's being weighed into this. It's a headache. It's a hipster to me. Headache inducing uh, starting pitchers that stifled the entire roster. That's what Andrew Heaney is to me, which is so sad for me to say because I, I, I love him so much when he does well. Some of these guys that you put ahead of him, that's the part I think that really gets me. Like, first off, that injury tier. I think I'm just looking at this more together and like that injury tier should probably be tier 10 and then every, tier 9 and 10 should be moved up. But that's just my personal thing. Okay. Though on that and even like a Mackenzie Gore because yeah. we don't know uh, Mackenzie Gore's a whole nother convo but they didn't give him any shot this year yeah I know it's just very weird it's sure. like that's the tier of like okay we're going to get more information <laughs> yeah um Eduardo I'm terrified of just yeah. I want him to be healthy all I care about is yeah of course just be healthy I'm talking about not arm health I'm talking about oh heart. right it's hard yeah um but like Luke Weaver Ryan Yarbrough Caleb Smith you love mm-hmm. Caleb Smith so Ponce de Leon like these so okay, so a couple que- a couple quick ones here. So I I think they they each of those guys have a better foundation to stand on to prove their worth earlier in the year than I do Andrew Heaney. That's where this is coming from. Like Daniel Ponce de Leon last at the end of this year absolutely surprised me because he was doing two things. He was doing two things. One, he was uh, throwing his curveballs for strikes a ton, which he doesn't do. And if he does that, then like four seamers paired with that are really, really excellent. And two, he was going deep into those games as well. And the Cardinals might give him that chance next year. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. He used it 9% last year, and that's rounded up to 22% this year. Really dove into it a bit, coming, pulling the foot fastball down a bit, which I like to see too, getting away from fastballs for Ponds. But I mean, so I, so I can get behind that. I can understand that completely. Now, Caleb Smith, 79. I imagine some people are like, well, come on, Nick. That's ridiculous. You're the biggest fanboy. And like, I understand that completely. Yep. I am essentially throwing away 2020 because he had COVID and then he got traded and then the Arizona Diamondbacks weren't like treating him too well. And then he came back mysteriously uh, nowhere. And like, this is a wasted season and everything that we had going for Caleb Smith dating back to our nine starts back in, in, in February or March spore. Uh, like it's still alive to me. It's still like, you know, all right, so 79, he's not at what, I don't know. I had him like 60 or something like, okay, he's at 79 now. Like it's pretty much to me the same thing. So I have him there. Then uh, you have, I think you mentioned Weaver. I don't know if you mentioned Kikuchi. Uh, with Weaver, it's like his cutter was gone in 2020. It just wasn't here this year. It was there in 2019. If I see his cutter there earlier on, I will feel more confident with him. He actually threw some really good pitches for the most part, but he just needed more help with that fastball as he threw too many in the middle of the zone. Kikuchi, 
his velocity. Like Kikuchi's like really good, sneakily. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. I don't know where you are in Kikuchi. So maybe I, we're on the same I, page there. I am not anti Kikuchi. Let me Okay, let me good. Go All right. That. So that, I won't, I wouldn't even talk about that one. But Kikuchi's kind of sneaky, guys. Right now because, oh. Um that's disappointing. <laughs> Well, you know what also is also disappointing? A 539 ERA and 200. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. At some point, of course. it's great that he had the velo. And I will say this year he held it because remember 2019 spring training, Kikuchi had velo and it really wasn't there during the mm-hmm. season. This year he ramped it up again and held it. He threw 95. But at some point, I need some results. Uh, I like that he cut the homers this year big time. And the FIP is saying, hey, but it's that same thing that you're talking about where the homer suppression rate is driving that FIP to 330, um, whereas he has a 517 ERA because the strikeout rate is solid at 24%, but the walk rate's at 10%. I don't know. I, he's he's If I did arrows, like green, red arrow, green arrow for Kikuchi. I put 111 like with a bullet type of deal, but mm-hmm. I kind of parked him there just uh, on a little bit of nerves. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't need you to justify him. I like him. Okay. I didn't mention him because I, I'm Okay. Yeah, not- just really quickly on Kikuchi was like, oh man. He he's he showcased the ability at times of like, hey, I'm gonna go four seamers up and then this amazing cutter down and cool, here's twenty whiffs in a game. And and, and I understand and you can be like, Oh, Heaney does the same thing, but yeah, Heaney's shown that he can't lock it in yet. Kikuchi, I'm giving a little bit more of a time now to lock it in because that's just a new thing. Okay. Uh yeah. Well, and here's the thing: between those two, you don't have them split enough to really, yeah, say that that's not fair. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. So I have, I have five spots up. You know, at eighty six is just way too low. Um, I, I hope to be feeling stupid. <laughs> I don't want you to feel stupid. I just think it's super low. All right, Nick. So we're in this, uh, we're in this forty one to sixty range here for the, looking at my rankings, guys. We're using mine as a jump off, and then the differences that we have. This is not a big difference. This is actually kind of a nothing difference. So this is not a disagreement. It's more of like a I want to talk through this guy and see where you're at with Tyler Molly. Oh man, did some positive things this year, man. He was he was quite good. Um, you know, I'm a big MLB The Show player. And they update their cards during the year based on real life performance. So it's almost like a fantasy game in its own right. And I try to predict who's going to get upgraded and such. And he was a bronze. He got upgraded to silver and he was on the cusp of gold. And if it had been a six month season, I think Molly was going to go gold this year. But what did you think about his season? He did some big things for the Reds. Is he somebody to chase after in 2021? Man, I want to say yes. I really do. But, but. okay. He does the Blake Snell blueprint. It's it's four seamers up and then a lot more sliders this year. So that's sliders down, right? That's what Snell does really well. Fastballs up and breaking stuff down. Molly, like, is so close. His sliders often get at the bottom of the zone. And then it's great. But there's sometimes his sliders are just kind of wasted a lot. And it hurts him a lot. And I don't know if he can really take that next level. Not to mention the Reds have been super weird using him. They have never really at the beginning of the season been like, all right, Tyler Molly, let's go. So it makes me a little more hesitation, but there'll be an opening next year. So Justin drafted him thinking that he would be a, um, a a middle innings guy. I remember Justin drafted him Mm. the first week or so. He could be one of these guys that comes in for three, four innings in the middle and snakes some wins. Turns out to have worked, but for a different reason, you know, sometimes you get to the right answer, but but when you have to show the work work on your math test, you would, you would get a, uh, a failing 
mark on it because like that's this is not the right work to get to this answer. Right, right. That's kind of what happened with Justice. <laughs> like, hey, you got the right answer. Three fifty nine ERA, one fifteen WHIP with uh, sixty strikeouts and forty seven and two thirds. But you thought it would be this. But hey, in fantasy, we don't we don't mark down for that. So it ended up being pretty good. You mentioned there should be an opening. Do you not see Bauer going back? Uh, yeah, I don't think that Bauer's going back. The really? Reds are going to they're, they're not going to pay him the money. Why not? They pay up. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be cool with me. Not even want a deep contract either. So I think it's like usually more so that they that they don't want to pay the seven eight year type deal. Do you think that his people and him are going to realize that he should probably take the mega seven? Plus I have no idea. But Bauer obviously is going to be a hot topic this off season, and I don't really see the Reds often being that team to go know. grab they it. Were, you know, they got Castellanos, Moose. Mm-hmm. That's they a good point. Yama over from Japan. I feel like they're, I mean, not, okay. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Yeah. Market. I wonder, you know, okay. If, if, if you were this, if you were Cincinnati, I gave you that info about you. You, you do pay some money, Nick. Uh, you're <laughs> Cincinnati. You do pay some money. One year, 38 million. Would you do it? No. Why? What? 38 million for a year? A one what? year deal? You wouldn't do that? Oh, if I'm if I'm Bauer, no, no. If you're if I'm the Reds, yeah, I didn't know. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I would not do that. Now the um, why not? I mean, that seems like a ton to to pay for one year of Bauer. Well, I mean, you consider that what did Cole get this year? Yeah, for but he's Bauer's not Cole. He doesn't. It's only a one year. You're only committed for one year. So you okay, would do okay. it? Yeah, absolutely. In a second. In a, in a second. Okay. Okay, let's bring it down to 34 mil. So it's less than Cole, who's getting mm-hmm. 36 mil a year. Since you say, okay, they're not the same. But it's, but it's the one-year commitment is the thing. There's well, no okay, so so I guess the question deal. I have is how confident am I in my offense to make it worth 34 million? I would hope that you have some – if I'm if I'm Cincinnati, if I am, flip it back on me, mm-hmm. I have some confidence that we're better than what we – coming into the year, did you not expect this to be a good offense? Yeah, I expected this to be a good offense. Yeah, yeah. And it just didn't uh, yeah, go their uh, way, though. So on base. I, Right. He started brilliant, but then flopped. Vado will put him off to the side. He's not actually very good. But Suarez, Moose, Winker was actually excellent. Nick mm-hmm. Senzel, I think you can have some positive expectation for. So I still think there's an offensive core here that I think is going to play better. And if it had been a six-month season, I f- they might have figured it out. It ends up looking pretty modest over the course of the two months, and then they get shut out in the playoffs. Let's assume that they don't have trepidation about that. They think, you know what? We're going to have a good offense. Does that change your tune? What about 32 mil? Is it the money? I'm happy I'm not making these decisions. Uh, it just, it's, it's such an, a normal thing I have no reference point for. I mean, obviously, well, I can do like the whole like per war uh, million dollar money, thing. Right? Because right. Yeah. To a pitcher for seven, eight years. And normally to get a pitcher of this caliber, you have to be unless you trade for them before their big deal. So that's why I, I'm saying I would even do one in 40 personally. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know like, if I, I would. understand it could blow up, but it's one year. So, yeah, I might waste some money in that given year. Let's say he goes back to like a 410 ERA, uh, but he pitches 185 innings. So I still get a fullish season. He's not bad at a 410. Like that's not going to ruin the Reds. Like they wouldn't miss the playoffs because of that likely. Um, I, yeah, I would do like upwards of 40, but that's, that'd be the max. Okay. Uh, well, I will say this for, for Molly. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, we got to get back. To yeah, I uh, so it's, it might it's, open up. Let's say Bauer is even there. Okay, uh, so Castillo, Gray, yeah, and Bauer, oh, spot, right? Because Descafani, well, Miley, and Molly are competing for four and five. I would have to think that Molly's got this. Is Miley a 
two year deal, right? Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. 2022 option. I see it right now. So, so Molly, I think should still be there, which is, you know, it's great. It's just a question of like, is he going to be able to pull off this Blake Snell blueprint constantly or not? Yeah. I have him at what? 50, 52. Yeah. Again, this was not a rankings. Dispute. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's right. Nothing in, in this tier, by the way. Um, let me ask you about another. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You got to point. No, no. Yeah. I'm just putting in with other guys that are like, I all like, you yeah. Know, Ian Anderson, yeah. Pablo Lopez, John means Kevin Gaussman, Tony Gonsolin. So, let me uh, go deeper on a guy I doubt you even had, and I probably have way later to myself. So this is not, again, a yeah. – uh, yeah, I got 118. What did you think of the little blip that we saw from TJ Antone? Let's say Bauer does leave. Is Antone someone who you're putting on your watch list? Because in 12-teamers, you would not draft him, if, especially if he didn't come in with a, a rotation spot. But would you put him a little star, like like a Gonsolin type of star? This sure. Year? Yeah, he would be a considerable streamer option early on just to monitor. He yeah. was actually, I was so upset. This is the things that as a fantasy baseball manager, you get upset about where you're scheduling out September. And I did those, uh, you know, for the rest of the season of like every single expected matchup, which was like after three days, just blown up. But, know. you know, <laughs> did that work. Right. And then I oh. and then Antone was slated to be one of two to start a double header on a Monday for the pirates. And we're like, okay, we got this. And of course, then he goes on Saturday and goes against like a better team. And we're just like, no, and he could have gotten that one. So uh, yeah, the skill set of TJ, I I think is solid. I, it's a, I believe it's like a sometimes mid nineties fastball. If I remember correctly, I good slider. Um, so I think it can work. It's not someone that I think is like a league winner, but I think he can certainly be someone that I'm monitoring early on to see if I can get some good starts out of him. So I gave a loose comp that and I'm not, I don't know what their repertoires look like. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend that this is a big comp, but I'm going to use it as a jump off to go back to this guy, sure. Tony Gonsolin. <sighs> Interesting. That sigh is because it's Dodger is to the hilt. He does not have a spot going in. With the return of David Price, there is no room at the end, and yet we have him 42 and 50, which says we're both drafting him in 10, 12, and, of course, 15 teamers. So what do we make of Gonsolin? Man, Gonsolin is so good, though. Like, so Gon- Gonsolin reminded me of Plesak. Yeah. Of, like, let's say you get uh, you get the innings. Like, he's just going to take off. I mean, he didn't get COVID and, and take off his team. Like the, right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. I know that's not a comp you were making. 20, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20% swing strike rate on that splitter for uh, for Gonsolin. It's kind of weird for me to be okay with a guy that primarily throws a splitter as his number two pitch. But his slider had a 27% swing strike rate this year with a 50% O swing and 45% zone rate. That's a money pitch. He cut his walk rate more than in half, dude. Oh, he just dominated. Like, his fastball 95 over the plate constantly and just didn't get burned by it. It was really, really good. And surprisingly, the Dodgers, like when he started, let him go. You know, he had a game of seven uh, innings, three of six innings, which is like, what? You know, that's, that's half of his, uh, that's half of his starts, at least six innings for the Dodgers. I, I just wish he would get regular playing time. What was that? Sorry. What'd you say about his slider? 20s. Oh yeah. Money pitch. There we go. <laughs> I like that one better than your other one. Sorry. Oh, you do? You don't like the Micah? I've told you I like this one a lot better. What, okay. What is the other one from? Uh, it's Grace Kelly. It's a great song by Micah from like the oh, late okay. 2000s. Okay. Maybe it's because I don't know the song. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, was like, I, I like when you do the money pitch thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love Gonsolin. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, I wonder if 
the the lack of a spot will help push his price down. I don't think it will in a lot of sharper leagues. I think um, people will be out ready to draft him, but but in leagues that maybe look a little bit on just like the depth charts, you know, of of the season, right when you're starting the season, they're going to push him down. For quick reference, he's the 51st starter in the two early mocks, which is right around where we have him. Yep. Again, we have him at 42 and 50, 42 for me, 50 for you. So we're right there with everybody. Um, if he had a guaranteed spot, where would you put him? Ooh. Guaranteed but, spot. But still the Dodgers? Still the Dodgers, uh. but guaranteed. Because, not because of injury either. Not like – Right, not right. He earned it. World that somebody gets hurt. But say they make moves. They make trades. Things happen. Spot open. Yeah, I would say he's still. He's like late thirties, early forties. Yeah, that right? I can only move him up so much because yeah. somebody Dennis Santana will go off. <laughs> you know, it'll I be mean, somebody else. It's kind of crazy with Dustin May and Julio Urias also there as the yeah. main guys that are blocking him. Uh, I, I mean, I do have Urias higher than Gonsolin because of that guaranteed so playing time. Uh, Dustin May is actually below Gonsolin for me. Uh, because he's a gift king and not a fantasy king. That is the right move. I have him 51st. I have him nine spots below. I have yeah, I have May and 61 in my Toby tier, my good Toby tier. Yep. The guys that I like, like Chris Bassett and, and Keichel and Kim and Minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minor, I, I wrestled with a lot, but that's another story. Uh, so, so with Gonsolin, yeah, I mean, I think his skills are great. I think he has two fantastic secondary pitches, a fastball that doesn't get burned a lot, and yep. I'm in. Great picture. All right, let's um you wanna you wanna wrap up here with, with two guys on the same team? I uh, two guys on the same team. Oh no, I don't know what this is. More to talk about because we don't have to wrap up here. We can do a no, no no no. Yeah, go ahead. Well, who are you thinking of? Well, I want to go six though and Alcantara. First. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. We have them both together, um one spot apart. Uh, you have Alcantara ahead, 36-37. I have six though ahead, 46-47. So we're in that same general vicinity. And again, we have them married together here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about them. Let's start with Sandy. Sandy Alcantara quietly got things going last year. I, I think it might have gone under the radar being a Marlin. Um, whether it's right or wrong, being 6-14 and 14 certainly didn't help because that would keep his fantasy value down. Mm-hmm. Having a modest uh, 6.9 strikeout rate, which is not nice, uh, doesn't very much help. There was a lot of things in there that were just kind of like blah when you looked at it, but a 388 ERA. And I believe he's one of those guys that if you kind of look at like his second half, Alcantara started to take off down the stretch. I might be wrong on that, but I feel like he had a, a run there that started to put things together. This year comes back markedly better. Three ERA, 119 whip, 39 strikeouts in 42 innings. Very close to that strikeout per inning that we love to see. Cut the walk rate a little bit. Big time cut the hit rate. Just a lot better in general. So are we seeing the emergence of Sandy Alcantara uh, as somebody who can be relied on as a full-force fantasy pitcher? So Alcantara increases velocity by like over a tick. We're talking from like 95.9. 97.3 is yep. so crazy good. He was already high and he, and he boosted it even higher. That's fantastic. It's really remarkable, and uh, one thing I will say is that his so his four seamer was better in this way. His sinker debatable. I uh, it did increase the ticket velocity, but he threw it off the plate less. Do you want a sinker to increase in velocity? Is there a breaking point? That's where a good question. Break starts to and I hate to loop it back in. Actually, I don't. I love to reference. Him. <laughs> 
because I do it every pod. But uh, we talk about when we see players that get it, that get a sinker in the game, the higher the velo goes, sometimes it can take away from some of the, some of the sink. Sure. I, that can happen in real life too. Obviously not with somebody like Dustin May, but there are, are guys where maybe you don't want that extra tick. So, so first of all, I want to mention that Spore is holding a baseball as he does this, and I absolutely love it. I that's a good that's a good question, and I don't have a good answer for you. Um, I will say that uh, with Alcantara, adding that tick of velocity pr- removed as much uh, six points of O swing, and I want to see and he raises zone rate. And you're like, Nick, isn't it good to throw more strikes with a sinker? I personally want to see uh, a pitch that starts in the inside corner and comes off of it to right-handers. Yep. So that means that the zone rate actually went underneath 50%, and this year is 57% as opposed to the 48 last year. And it was really good last year. 48% zone rate and a 34% O-swing. That's, like, awesome. But both of those numbers changed in the other way, and that may be a little more hesitant. However, the main two things that got me really excited about Alcantara, not even just the velocity, um, late in the season – you got to understand myself. St. Alcantara, he came out of this amazing start against the Phillies. I was just blown away by how good his changeup was. He was throwing harder. Like, it was well commanded. It was so exciting. And then the whole Florida COVID thing happens. Uh, nightmare. And he just goes, you know, it, it's, it's not the same Alcantara. And he comes back. He's trying to get into it again. And then finally, by the end of the year, he actually wasn't really as effective with his changeup. He actually only threw his changeup 2% of the time in that final start against the Yankees, but his slider all of a sudden came up to 32%, and it was awesome. Like, he was killing it with this slider, down and away and getting whiffs on it. And to hear two secondary pitches like that, to pair with 97-mile-per-hour velocity, like, it gets me a little bit amped, especially when the Marlins have no hesitation throwing Alcantara for a lot of innings. He threw 197 in 2019. So He's a 200-bet for sure. And I do wonder, I see like a, you see a 23% strikeout rate this year. I don't, I'm not going to say like, oh, okay, it's, you know, 18% in 2019 and 23. Okay, it's probably maybe like 21. You're not going I, with it. I'm, if anything, I'm going up. I'm, uh, I'm feeling like 24, 25 could be there for Alcantara next year. And, and I think it could come with a requisite swing strike rate boost. But even if not, he starts to get on the top end of that two and a half marker that we talk about. Right. That you can multiply the swing strike rate by. Yeah. And, and the ERA and whip should be good. Like I, I'm very much in on Alcantara. I feel like he's a very safe. Uh, he's a safe guy among a sea of a lot of uh, wobbly pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm big on Alcantara. I'm excited. Uh, I did have uh, six though right there, one spot ahead. I think I trust maybe the strikeout upside a little bit more, even though his strikeout rate was not better. Yeah, uh, I I'm going to be bringing him down closer to where you have him. I he's think. going to be overrated. Yes, I can already say that I'm pretty much not going to have six though anywhere. And I even made a joke that like I can't wait to take him in the second round next year. I was <laughs> funny and and you know because it was after one of the brilliant starts. He went 24th in the two early mocks, and he's drafted in all of them. So you can say that he's—they're all deep enough to where that's—that's that's his spot. Nine nine drafts, the 24th starter, pick 80 on average. Wow, Below you know, 62 and a high of 101. I don't even think I'm taking him at the high right now. So Sixto. So Sixto. Oh my god, it makes no sense to me. He makes no sense because he has this like 98, 99 mile per hour force That's really good. And decides, you know what? I'm going to throw the sinker that is like 94 and very hittable. Bay style. Where <laughs> it's I just whips with it and I am annoying. It's such a bad pitch. I don't I don't get it. Why are you throwing this? Don't do it. Just, just, just annoy just, us, Nick. Like, 
I, I want to explain how bad it was this year. Uh, 389 average allowed, 412 BABIP. I uh, 147 WRC plus on it, 6.2% swing strike rate. Meanwhile, his four seamer 208 batting average allowed, 13% swing strike rate. Like, what do that? What, what do you do, do that one? I don't understand. But, uh, that's a good one. But uh, but I mean, this changeup and slider are are good. They uh, like they have a high ceiling. It, they're not consistent enough to me. Like, and I I watched Sixto in that first start of that debut, and I was it was like one of the best debuts I've seen because it's very rare to see when that see it started that electric. Like he did, it was really really exciting. I. Uh, but then the starts after were not so good. It was a lot more um, you know, hung changeups or sliders not being executed, fastballs being hit. It was a lot. It was a worse package essentially. Mm-hmm. And while he can get there, Sanchez Sixo Sanchez can be like he has the top twenty upside talent. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest. No, no. I, agree. I I am at 37 though, and I I see your 46. I'm like, yeah, he's probably closer to that honestly because I think it's going to take a bit. It might be a little bit of a piece, that poor execution, awesome stuff guy. I think there's a little bit of growing pains this year. And, you know, again, the market's just going to, they're going to go even higher than your mark. As we saw in the two early mocks, that's going to carry on. And if I'm wrong and he's ready to hit the ground running, that's when I'll be cheering that I'm wrong. Because that means I get to watch Sixto Sanchez beast out for the year. But I'm just going to play a little bit cautiously and not get too hung up on 39 innings of not even great work, all told, by the way. It was, all 39 were not great, as you point out. The last couple of starts were pretty brutal, in fact. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a little bit of trepidation with Sixto, but I'll be rooting him on the whole way through. Nick, anybody else that you want to talk about here? If you want to rapid fire a few, we can, but uh, we've kind of gotten deep into these here. I think I think this is a this is a good episode. I think uh, I think right. we got a good number. Maybe we can do another where we talk about the uh, the back half uh, another yeah, time. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. think so too. And uh, I'm a little mad at you for not ranking Jake Odorizzi though. Oh, I know, I know that. Trust me. There's a part of me that's like I should probably have Jake Odorizzi, but I didn't. I, I, so sorry. This year is a washout kind of year, but uh, I'm sorry. I I I fully acknowledge that, and I'm like, yeah, he probably will be like around the 70s or so. And or we at the see very, where yeah. he lands too, right? Yeah, he's done after this year. Okay, so we'll see where he lands. That can help things, but um, yeah, maybe we'll do another one in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, more pitching. We need to get the firesides going regularly, though. Maybe yes, we do definitely. Um, you know, we did that that Twitch stream where we watched that Pedro start, which was a lot of fun. Maybe we do something like that for yeah. as well, where we talk uh, over a start. And we can now, we could stream an old game on my Twitch channel. And right. Like an old game from this year, though. And we can worry of, of getting uh, murked. And we can also set up a fireplace, too. So We could. And the weather's turning. So <laughs> There we go. Perfect. You are. So, uh, <laughs> as always, great talking with you. I love you, brother. And uh, I will be with you again soon. Always great to hang with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spohr and at PitcherList.